Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. listening to two chunks and a hunk movie musings for mostly everybody hey everybody it's doge from the podcast that you downloaded and that we hope you really like um one quick note about 20 minutes into this episode, Carter starts to sound a little different. We wanted you all to know that he is okay. Uh, we just had an error recording his audio, and so thankfully we were saved by the backup audio on his Zoom call. Everything's fine. We're all fine here. It's all good. We hope you love the show. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and there was this mollusk, and he walks up to the sea cucumber. Normally, they don't chunk sea cucumbers, but in a joke, everyone chunks. <laughs> and I'm Carter, and hey, Mr. Hunky Gills, when life gets you down, do you know what you've got to do? That's good. What, what do you have to do, though? What do you got to do? Just keep swimming. Oh, yeah. Just, just keep swimming. Mm, That's good. Just keep doing it. Just uh, keep swimming. Hey, Carter. Yes. I did notice, correct me if I'm wrong, I did notice that you said hunk. Yep. Talk uh, to me. I chose to be the hunk. It was my decision this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm actually contesting this, by the way. I don't know if you are, because I don't know if you know what I'm doing. Uh, I am being kind of a hunk shield here and taking the hunk for someone that normally wouldn't. I'm the hunk because two days ago was Doja's birthday. Mm. Mm. And this is uh, me getting the opportunity to say happy birthday to Doge. And all the good things that he does for this podcast. Happy birthday specifically to the things I do for this podcast. Happy birthday to the things you you do. So I don't know what you thought you were setting up there. I am certainly still contesting this. I, um, the night before this recording, did make nachos at home. So that's a big deal. Nachos that had, uh, what was the topping? Do you want to share that with everybody? Ground beef and toilet paper? Hmm, Silver Uh, spoon. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was toilet paper, paper towels, hand sanitizer, and um, a healthy heaping portion of just sort of vitamins and minerals. Mm. 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 Well, Carter, you mentioned silver spoon, and I'm contesting this because I feel that the world needs to be introduced to the fancy boy alter ego of Carter. Carter spent a, a little bit of the beginning of this video call introducing us to his fancy boy alter ego. That's true. And I would Cartier. really I would really love I would love it if Cartier could finally get his time in the sun. So in Animal Crossing, I have chosen not to be myself, or maybe it is myself but what I don't like to show to the world, but now I can. Cartier believes in the finer things. And so I don't have a living room, I have a foyer. Yes. It has a massive fossil, a golden zodiac ram made of stardust. Yes. Uh, And a recently blue velvet plush velvet pillow with three bars of gold on it. That's right. I turned golden nuggets, 
with a friend, a uh, good, good friend helping me with that, turning golden nuggets into just golden bars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. A, little, a bit of a flex there. I think that's the aesthetic for 2020. Yeah. I think so. Is sort of the virtual best life. Yeah. The virtual best life. Yes. Because th- exactly this one's right. done. No, yeah. The, the mortal <laughs> plane is really just in the stinker right now. Just flushed yeah. away like Hugh Jackman in that mouse movie. Morpheus uh, holds out his hand and there is a third pill. And this one is shaped like a leaf. Yeah. It's just mm. Animal Crossing. And many of us have chosen to take that one. Yeah. And be so What if Animal Crossing is the Matrix and we're all plugging ourselves into our Switch? I'm fine with and that. And this is where we live now. Yeah. I dig so it. I guess between... Uh, birthday, Fancy Boy, Animal Crossing, and and nachos. It's really, uh, it's really tough to make the call here. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and let it stand that Carter, you can be sort of the the uh, metaphorical hunk this week. That's fine. That's great for me. I Thanks. We were all looking to you to make that decision. Me and Carter Most, were both like, man, I hope Jordan decides this. <laughs> you know, a lot of people aren't willing to talk about this. But uh, it's a heavy burden to bear. And I'm, you know, I'm the one that's sort of willing to do it around these parts. So, yeah, thanks, guys, for acknowledging Sure, it's great. Yeah, sure. No, cool thank you. you. No, thank you. How selfless of you to thank us after you say all that. You know what? I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to let you thank me. I think that's really big of me. Um, hey, I would love to talk about a movie. Let's do it. Yeah. Sort of mix things up a little bit. And this movie, oh boy, guys, it's underwater. <gasps> Which is that's it. That's the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. So catch you guys <laughs> All next of us week. together. Say underwater, uh, which is which is one of my greatest fears. Uh, and this movie, of course, is known as Finding, Finding Nemo. Nemo. Uh, and I would love to begin our discussion by uh, reaching through space and time and tapping my friend Doge on the shoulder. What if a <gasps> I hand feel showed it. up over there? I feel it. <laughs> And uh, it's just like the Demi Moore movie with pottery. I can feel it. Wait, Jordan, where am I on your videos? Your bottom. Who's right. by me? It's Adam. Adam is by you. Adam, reach out and touch my uh, shoulder, if you would. Oh, my mic's in the way. Touch my head. Your hands on the wrong side for <laughs> yeah, me. wrong side. <laughs> is it really? Oh no. Okay, touch my head again. <laughs> This is a purely visual joke that is not going to uh, yeah, translate. Yeah, don't worry, guys. That's going to translate really well to audio. You know what? Sometimes we get to take some time for us. That's we do true. everything that else around This here. is the one for us. That one's just for us. Hey, Doge, synopsify me, Captain. <laughs> yep. This week's synopsis is written by Sujit R. Varna. Glad, glad to hear from you. Big fan. Thanks for writing in, Sujit. A tale which follows the comedic and eventful journeys of two fish, the fretful Marlin and his young son Nemo, who are separated from each other in the Great Barrier Reef when Nemo is unexpectedly taken from his home and thrust into a fish tank in a dentist's office overlooking Sydney Harbor. Wow. Buoyed by the companionship uh, of a friendly but forgetful fish named Dory, (laughs) the overly cautious Marlin embarks on a dangerous trek and finds himself the unlikely hero of an epic journey to rescue his son. Meanwhile, the young Nemo hatches uh, a few daring plans of his own to return home safely. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, that's that, like, that run on sentence. Good synopsis. Two, yeah, two completely different vibes though in the first and second half. Exactly. Yeah. That's a a big tonal shift from the first half, which was kind of just no rules, Mad Max, Fury Road as a sentence, and then the second was more traditional grammar and sentence structure. Sure, I like the journey it took me on, though. I think. Okay, I'm gonna say something. Good. That's that's why people <laughs> downloaded this episode. I think that's a great start. <laughs> I'm exhausted by sad beginnings to these movies. There, I said it. I don't think we have any more sad beginnings in this series. I don't think so either, thankfully. It's just <laughs> such a bummer. I mean, I love it. Yeah. It's so good. It's it's yeah. It starts well. We need to start there. I have no problem with it. This is not a dump for me, but man, it's like when these movies start sad, they start sad. Oh my gosh. Heavy, heavy, heavy. And it's usually... I don't know. I don't know if like doing a Pixar marathon is as popular as doing like actual series like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Sure. Yeah. Twilight, things like that. Harry Potter. But like, yeah, this our podcast always presents such unique watching experiences for me. And we've talked about several times before that we look at it with a different lens when we're watching it, knowing we're going to have our conversation about it. Sure. But then also the consistency. And so, yeah, things like this happen. 
back and I don't think it's I don't know if Pixar meant for it to be consumed in this way. <laughs> yeah, I don't right? know. Do you either. feel like if they're like, okay, this is going to release this week, and then this one will release this week in theaters, and then this one, so they're probably yeah, at maybe that they point they're like, it up a little bit. why don't we just kind of lighten up a little bit? Sure, <laughs> sure, but yeah, it's just a. I mean, even as a kid, I remember it's just a being massacre, devastated by this. Yeah, I mean, what yeah, hundreds really of hundreds of lives taken literally, at the beginning of this movie? Literally. Yeah. Oh but my gosh! I will say, Marlon really thought he was going to raise that whole family in that tiny anemone. <laughs> Marlon, you need to get up. You need to pull yourself up by your fin straps, my dog. So Jordan, you're, you're trying to say ultimately this was better for him. <laughs> what I yeah, what I'm trying because to say is that things work out better uh for Marlon in the beginning of this movie. He doesn't know it, but So yeah. it's sort of like an like an aqua eugenics conversation that you're willing to open up on our podcast. Yeah, I'd love to have that. I'd love to have perfect. that conversation. Good. Hey, I think this is the perfect medium for something like that. Speaking of <laughs> opening up though, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna kick down this gate strong right here, right now. Um, so after uh, the Barracuda attacks and we get Marlon holding the, f- the egg and saying Nemo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we, we pan up to the ocean and finding mm-hmm. Nemo comes in in the rays of light. Yeah. And that song plays. Mm-hmm. Soundtrack's my super pump. Yeah. It's wonderful, wonderful, Potentially wonderful. my favorite soundtrack in Pixar. It's very good. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Sounded real familiar to me. Right. And I remembered instantly why. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is, I think Pixar is continuously, pretty consistently doing this. Uh, a soundtrack that's good enough to be remembered, but also good enough to just kind of disappear. I don't know how to explain yeah. it. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's, it drives the narrative so well. Totally. That it's it never is just the focal a part point. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a motive, you yeah. know? Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So and this I, I, is I think this is up there for all all time great soundtracks in my opinion. Yeah, it's very good. Um this is this movie came out about the time that I was obsessed with every time a movie came out that I liked, I would ask for the two disc special edition DVD of it uh and I would just sit and put it in put the bonus features like the bonus disc with all the making of documentaries and stuff in my PlayStation 2 in my bedroom. Yeah. And just sit for hours and hours and hours and watch yeah. that. Um and so I have I've particularly strong memories of watching that for this movie. Uh and you mentioned like the rays of light coming through the water. Yeah, totally. They they gave their animators uh and their environmental designers a project and they're like here is footage from underwater in I think it was like a koi pond or something. And they're like, it's your job to replicate this. Uh, and they replicated it exactly. And in a blind test, people couldn't tell the difference between that and the actual real footage. And so they actually, the, the direction from the studio was, hey, you need to downgrade the quality of your water environments wow. so people believe this is animated. It's unreal. Uh, this still Phenomenal. holds up to me. Like, I think this is maybe the best water animation I've seen in an animated movie. And this is from yeah. 2003, 2004. 2003. Maybe, maybe the only time that it does not hold up to me is when we're looking at something on the surface that dives below from up top. See, that's um, an intentional choice. Like when they're when like the water looks noticeably lower quality in the scene whenever it's raining and Nigel is apologizing because he thinks Nemo's dead. Right. It's an intentional choice to downgrade that water quality so people don't think, oh, they animated fish on top of footage of real water. Right. Right. Because oh, then was... you have you have stuff like the inside of the whale when we have that shot that's above the water and we oh see the gosh. waves crashing, yeah. which looks photorealistic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's totally unbelievable even inside the whale's mouth the water as it moves up against the teeth and like the levels change looks unbelievably good yeah yeah it's the animation in this is and and we see it you know every this is right around the time that i think we've talked about on a previous episode pixar is really intentionally pushing the boundaries of what computers can do when they're making these movies like this one the whole lighting system and the water system are the big things here because they i mean water had never been done convincingly in an animated film before this, a computer animated film before this, the closest we got was the fluid right. simulation of the raindrops in A Bug's Life. Um, the main thing here is the lighting because we have, I don't know if you guys noticed, the lighting and the focus of the camera is totally different when we're above water and when we're underwater. When we're above water, everything looks crisp and clear like we're used to animated movies looking. And when we're underwater, the light is entering the water, being refracted by the waves, bouncing off the fish's scale. So the fish 
all kind of glow a little bit because yeah. the light is diffusing off of their scales. But it's like the most complex lighting engine that had been written to this point to be used for this yeah. movie. And it just, I think that's what makes the animation hold up so well. Yeah. Like you said, 17 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost, it feels like this is a marker for me, like in movie watching. Yeah. Because this was, I was 15. So half, halfway through my life. Right. So now this is to where I am living through uh, most of my life animation, just being known as being very good. Yeah. Right. We, I, I yeah, do get the unique sure. transition of like <laughs> from the beginning, right? The the first like uh, shows that were on Toonami, like Reboot, which was like the first 3D animated show, clearly different. Um, but the fact that that's been around longer rather than not is weird to me. 100% yeah. weird to me. Sure. Yeah. That's that's totally valid. Um, so something that I noticed pretty early in this watch through, it's been a while since I've watched this movie. But but something that I noticed pretty early on in this watch through is, and tell me if if you guys were like this, I forgot how much my family quoted this movie growing up. <laughs> That's funny. Like all of the little like, I'll pick you up after school. Like all of yeah. these beginning moments, the the failed joke, you know, for a clownfish, you're not very funny. Right. Uh, you guys made me ink. Uh, he's going to touch the butt. Oh my gosh, Nemo swimming out to sea. Like all that stuff. Like we quoted this movie so much. You know who else quotes this movie a lot? And I discovered this as we were watching this. Uh, Is my wife. This is is Jessica's favorite movie of all time. Uh, Um, I love it. And she watched most of the movie. This is not our first time to watch this together as you may intuit by the fact that it's her favorite movie of all time. Yeah, this I is probably guessed. about 18 months ago was the last time we watched this. But, uh, when we watched it this time, Jess covered her nose and mouth with her sweatshirt the entire time because she was whisper quoting the entire movie to herself. <laughs> and I, I told her she was not allowed to quote it out loud because I needed to focus for the podcast. And so so she, watched, she watched the whole movie. Like she was an old timey bandit robbing a bank in the old West. <laughs> Just her nose and her chin covered. Oh, that's so good. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Callie quoted a lot of this movie too, actually. So did Chelsea Carter? Yeah. Good. Right answer. That was close. <laughs> yes. Would have had to kick you off the show. But like, she still has never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. So uh, I mentioned it before kind of jokingly, but not. I have a deep, deep fear of like underwater in the ocean. Oh, yeah. It's awful. Um, I love aquariums and I love watching things about it. But when it gets too real, it really gets to me. It really freaks yeah. me out. Did this hit you? Did this hit you in that thalassophobia spot? Big time. Big what time. About the, uh, is that the, the fear of the unknown? Thalassophobia is fear of deep, dark water, basically. Yeah. So something else that I have noticed that I that I have a little bit of in me is something called submechanophobia. I was about to ask about the submarine. Yeah. Which is yeah, which is a fear of of large machinery underwater. Um I did, dude, I, so I didn't, I didn't realize it was a thing until I was like researching it and looking at pictures of like large boat propellers and different things like that, like in comparison to divers and stuff that are down with it. And it, it does something in me. It do like you think shudders so like, my chest. I've noticed that about me too. Do you think there's anything where it's like, as a kid, I learned to fear those things because I just absolutely got my whole situation wrecked in video games in any kind of underwater level. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I think maybe that's, oh, that's part of it. Mario 64. I remember being the terrified yes. of the fish down there. Dude. Yes. I had, yeah, man. I would just skip it. I was like, I don't care what's down there <laughs> or what I need. It's not worth it. Yeah. Do I have scary. to do this? And then I, I remember in uh, like I had to have my mom play through all of uh, Lord Jabu Jabu's belly in Ocarina of Time the first time I did uh-huh. it because I was like, "There's no way, there's not a chance that I'm playing it's this yucky. level." I'm inside of fish. These much. are all his. These are all his guts and bones. But yeah, when that when I that love... submarine falls at them and it's like coming at the screen, I was like unsettled. I was like, "Ooh, I got fight or flight." <laughs> it's funny how much of this is still talking about Disney. Cause it's like, I think about Nat Geo and like planet earth sure, and watching yeah. all of that. When we get to the episodes where it's the single manned sub going down to the deepest <laughs> depths and nope. they're by themselves. Absolutely and not. Most of that machine is glass and it's a window. 
almost anything I would choose over that. Yeah, that, absolutely. That not. just waiting for some like you don't you don't get to go looking for things. You just wait for them to find you. Kind of. Yeah. Are you kidding me? When yeah, no I way. think about that kind of stuff, if you uh, stuck me butt first to the side of a building, I would stay there. That's how. That's how. That's how tight my whole situation gets. <laughs> when I get. When I think too hard about that, like everything about me, just, like you, you secrete glue when you're scared. No, what does like, that mean? I'm talking like a like a Nerf dart. Like if you threw yes. me hard enough, I would just swing right against it. Oh <laughs> uh, wow! Can we get past our nightmares? We're I don't know about a Pixar. Movie? So much of this movie involves what that. is yes. What is it called when it's the phobia of your friend sticking their butt to a building like a suction cup? Oh, that's easy. That's a butt a building phobia. Yep, I suffer from that. Yeah, that's a tough one. Let's talk about Finding Nemo. I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah. I think that, um, so I, I read, I read a little bit of trivia about this movie, about the pitch. The pitch took a full hour. And at the end, John mm-hmm. Lasseter says, you had me at fish. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah, I, I love that too. And it's, is there, so this is just to Pixar's complete credit. Is there another studio that, I mean, and this, I'm talking pre, pre Nemo. I know Shark Tales exists, unfortunately, but. Hey, straight up forgot that existed until right now. Yeah, I know. Is there another studio that barring Nemo and Shark Tales, if they had come out and said like, we made a movie about fish. Is there a movie, a studio besides Pixar that you would, wouldn't doubt? Well, I think, I think that's, and I'm going to answer this in a roundabout way. Please. I think that is something that makes this so significant too, because I think even though Pixar had some pretty big success at this point, there was some skepticism. This felt like Pixar's flex. You know, I mean, you know, Bob Iger's feedback to the initial draft of this film. It was in a memo to, to Steve Jobs, who at the time was a co-owner of Pixar. Oh, this was the Um, guy before Iger. Oh, it was, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Is it Eisner? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it was Eisner's feedback. This was a memo to Steve Jobs, who at the time was a co-owner of Pixar, uh, because Pixar started as a subdivision of Apple. Um, but his memo was like, uh, "Man, something's got to change about this film. They think it's another one of their hit. They're they're being pretty arrogant. They think this one's going to be another slam dunk. It's just not. This one's not very good." Wow, what a spectacularly spicy and wrong take. Yeah, right. I think that is hubris at its finest. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't believe that. But yeah, no, Carter, to your point, like it does, it really does feel like Pixar, no clownfish pun intended, earned their stripes a little bit with this movie. That they were just like, we can do it. I promise. Now trust us. We're going to ask you to consider what if emotions had feelings and yeah, sure, you know, right? what all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. this got them to, because they, this said that Pixar was not, to me, this said Pixar is not worried about being safe. Yeah. We're worried right. about telling a good story. Right. And they want to do it anywhere. But I think that's such a good point, Doge, because when I was thinking about that, I wasn't even thinking about how much this probably opened the door to uh let's take you to the afterlife. Let's take you to inside yeah. someone's mind. Like this was the first let's take you to the racetracks. Track. Yeah. Let's take you to the racetrack. Ka-chow, baby. <laughs> no, I th- I think you're totally right. And I think that this probably earned a lot of the public's trust as well as the people who make the executive decisions there. I mean, it, it won an Oscar for best animated feature. So yeah. it's, it's, I think this is about the time that people are like, oh, wait, Pixar is not just Toy Story and that one movie with ants and that one movie with monsters. Right. Yeah. This was what, a year after Monsters, Inc.? Two years, maybe? Monsters, Inc. was 2001, I think. Okay. So maybe so a couple 2002. years after. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty crazy, man. And, and, and the way everything, so the other thing I think that holds up and this, this gets us into the, some of the meat of this story. This movie's funny, dude. It really is. Like it's, it's still funny. It is so funny. And I, I don't want to move too far ahead in the narrative, but so my super pump, and let me explain this. My super pump is the sharks. Oh, um, yeah, good. Because what these three represent to Pixar, to me, is uh, you talk about flexing too? Like they are unafraid. They're it, it is such a sign of Pixar blatantly doing things for adults. Oh my gosh! Um, yes, yes. Because so much about the animation is great. I'll never forget Bruce laughing and the fact that his all his skin bounces uh, like Boss Nass yeah. type laugh <laughs> when he laughs. But this is an AA meeting. Oh, like they are the they are directly is so carbon fun, copying an um, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and. But this is also a flex because this is the kind of thing to where they have 
they have somehow made this just as funny for kids yes as it is for adults but neither party is saying Ugh, but that wow it'd be funny if they weren't so blatantly doing this for the yeah, other party correct how do you uh, even measure that there's even even a little throwaway joke here in the naming of the shark he's called bruce which is what uh the, yeah. the puppet, the the animatronic shark for Jaws was called. They called him Bruce. Yeah, right. Yeah. And just that it is, is Pixar, if I was to have like, I'm not going to give every word, but if like one of my top three, one word descriptions of Pixar was, it would be thoughtful. Like I oh, think yeah. sure thoughtful in the ways of things being emotive, but also thoughtful in every single aspect of what they do when they make a movie. Yeah. Very and, much. and they call their shot too. Like there hasn't been a time, at least that we know that they haven't had like, uh, a stuffed plush toy that was talking about a movie they're going to have out in four or five years. Like they know what they're going to do and they have a pretty good idea of it being successful. I wonder if they've ever had a miss where they put a hint about a movie that never came to fruition. That's what I was just saying. Oh, yeah. that's, so that's what miss. I was. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. The big, yeah. the, the big kind of missing hole in the Pixar pantheon is a, a movie called Newt, uh, which was in development for several years was teased. We even got a, a teaser logo for it, but it ended up being scrapped uh, because it was, uh, in the time that it took to develop, I, I think it was blue sky, whoever produced Rio, uh, put that movie out and it is pretty similar. The story of newt was that there was this kind of newt in the rainforest and he was the last of his species until he found a female of his species. And so the, it was going to be like a rom-com basically. And they have to fall in love to keep their species to, to propagate, uh, yeah. little newtlets. Yeah. Uh, and they <laughs> ended up scrapping that Nutinos, Nutellos, and they ended up scrapping that. Um, so I'm curious watching back through if we can see any hints of like salamanders or newts or something that, you know, they're not going to address right. that were intended to be a tease for newt. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be, that would be very interesting to keep. I mean, I'm down for them to give it a shot. It sounds when, interesting enough. When would that have been? Do you know? Uh, it got pushed several times. I think the the last place that it landed was um, like 2012, 2013. So it would have landed uh, somewhere around Toy Story 3, uh, Brave maybe would be where we would be looking for hints. Yeah, somewhere right around there. Um, I think the, the development team that was working on that ended up kind of shifting that project into the good dinosaur uh, and used... Because I think what they were going for with Newt was the big like photorealism of the environments and stuff like that. And yeah. that's, that's the thing with the good dinosaurs that the environments are completely photorealistic. And then we have dinosaurs that look like they're made of jelly, which is a reason that movie didn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. I yeah. think that's probably accurate except for that one video of the little girl that cries when she watches it, which yeah, makes me cry sad. every time. That is yeah. so sad. It's a very, but Hey, let's video. talk about finding Nemo. Yes. yes. But yeah, uh, back, back to the, so like the super pump, this to me in a nutshell in its perfect representation is, uh, how Pixar can thoughtfully, uh, produce for both adults and children. Like I can't think of a, and it might've been cause I was already in kind of that mindset early on in this movie because of the depth of it. We don't have to huh. talk about, I mean, that pun will come up again, um, <laughs> but I can't think of anything else that stands out as much. Yes. There's several of these moments throughout every Pixar movie. That's like one of their, you know, calling cards, but this specifically the sharks is, sure. is yeah, so good. I think I agree. I think it's the perfect uh, example of that razor's edge that Pixar is able to walk constantly. I think you're completely right. Because you have kids quoting fish are friends, not food, which oh, is yeah. essentially of like saying what whatever the slogan would be for Alcoholics Anonymous, but they don't yeah. know that. Yeah. Right. They're just saying it because it's funny. Yeah. But the parents are saying it too because I, I don't know. I, I can't. Yeah. The create this. So, and I guess here's where we're going to go. My super pump for this movie is the script. Yeah. Um, and structurally, it's pretty bananas because we have a, an okay size act one, an enormous act two, yeah. and an itty bitty act three and act four. Yeah. Um, but act two is basically underwater the Odyssey, where it's like all these episodic adventures that are still in pursuit of our main goal, but there's really, really clear and concise scene level conflict, mm -hmm. uh, which is like, here is, here is more where like, we're at. More like this sea level. Sea level comic, exactly. Here's where we're at. Here's the obstacle we have to overcome. Now we overcome it. Here's catharsis. Oh no, here's a new challenge. My super dump is contained within this oh. in that every episode ends with a fade to black and two of the four episodes end with Marlon and Dory being knocked unconscious. Yeah. Seems like there's better ways to transition those things. But back to my super pump, 
I think the idea of sharks in a recovery program because they don't want to eat fish anymore is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think uh, painting sea turtles as surfer bros is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I yes. I think the uh, the school of fish that creates different shapes to point them and have a conversation with them is absolutely brilliant. I think there's so much of this that's like, an additional layer of creativity in yeah. terms of like, here is the pieces and parts you're going to play with. You know, if you do yeah. a movie about a fish, you're going to have sharks and you could have the sharks be the scary villains, but isn't it so much better if they're in a reformation program to stop eating fish? Yes. And you're going to have sea turtles, but isn't it so much better if he says he just waxed his shell like it's a surfboard? Yep. Like that, that kind of stuff is just an extra layer of brilliance to me in this script. Yeah. Yeah. And I would add to one that stood out to me was being a starfish have be the lookout for a fish tank. Yes. Right. Yes. That's because so they're good. always, that's, that's why they attach to the window you know, to, the, to watch what humans are doing. Uh, Bruce's friends. Uh, I only remember Chum's name. Um, anchor. Chum, and, yeah, anchor. Chum and anchor. So Chum and anchor apologizing for Bruce's outburst as it's happening. You know, the, the, right. you cut him some slack. He never knew his father. He never knew so his father. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good! Yeah, it is so good. It's just a, it's just a brilliant script. It's really tight. I, th- I think I completely agree with everything you're saying. It stuff. I mean, so, like Crush, Crush is my favorite character in this. Did whole you know that that movie. is Andrew Stanton, the director of this yeah. movie? So yeah, that all pitch of his- that you were talking about for John Lasseter. Uh, he did that whole thing and did character voices with it, notably for Crush and for the Seagulls. And when it got time to cast those, they were like, "Hey, Andrew, you're just going to do those voices." You're yeah. going to be that. And and Squirt, um, we're going to talk about Brad Bird. Oh, this might be a spoiler for something we're going to do later. We're going to talk about Brad Bird in a couple of weeks. And if you know what he directed, then you know what movie we're going to talk about. It's true. Um, but we're going to talk about Brad Bird soon. And Squirt is played by Brad Bird's very young son. Andrew Stanton decided to cast him after Brad Bird came into the office to work on his film that he was directing uh, and was showing him home videos. And Andrew Stanton was like, hey, do you think he'd ever want to voice like a tiny little baby surfer turtle? <laughs> so funny. Why does it feel like finding Nemo, especially after reading more about the trivia, uh, Pixar obviously has had way more successes than not. That's why, that's why putting 21 movies out there was not easy for people to vote for seven, but like, it feels like the energy around the making of this movie was something that this crew never forgets. Like it feels like oh, it was so sure. fun. Things were falling into place. People were having an absolute blast. Crush's lines were all delivered from like a couch in his office too, right? Like he was just sitting down, just going through it. Like things were just, it just feels like it was meant to be a success from the onset and throughout. Like, I don't know. It's super unusual for an animated movie, but they actually entered production. I don't know if you read this. Uh, They entered production with a full and completed script which is not usually how it goes with animated movies since they take so long, they'll land on a place like, okay, we want, we know we need this scene. So animators, you start working on that voice actors. We can, we can record that. And we kind of build the plane as it's flying. Sometimes that leads to disaster and plots don't stick together and conflict lines are all over the place. And sometimes you get when we're able to plan ahead. Exactly. We get finding Nemo, which is a, to me, a script that is completely flawless. Yeah. That's good. Speaking of flawless and airplanes, uh, we're going to do one of those fade to blacks that Doge loves so much because it's time to go uh, to shout announcements. Welcome to Shout Announcements. We're all about it and all up in it. It's the part of the show where we give shout outs and make announcements. Here we go. What is that voice? uh, It's worse this week. It's the part of the show where we give shout outs and (laughs) make announcements. Yeah, I was sort of leaning into like uh, the guy that does all the names at the beginning of SNL, but if he was recording from the toilet. Bobby Moynihan. Yeah. Tracy yeah. Morgan. Oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good, Carter. Um, so AD the Bryant. first thing that we want to talk about is of Beck course, Bennett. Patreon. Uh, if you are a patron, you can keep your peepers peeled for our review of Onward because it's officially free to watch. On Disney Plus, which is kind of dope. Free to watch if you pay for Disney Plus. On if Disney you pay Plus. for Disney Plus, which is important. And also, uh, don't forget that if you are a patron, you can 
and in fact are the only ones able to vote in the uh, the round of the top eight for our uh, spring delirium bracket. So make sure you go check that out. Get your votes in. It's very important. Will Lightning McQueen make it to the final four? It's up. No, is my guess. Speaking of patrons getting episodes and Lightning McQueen and all that good stuff, um, I'm going to be completely transparent with you guys, and I'm going to say for the first time in my life, I am uncertain of something, and that <laughs> something is whether or not you have access to the Cars Three episode or not. Um, if you're an official chunky, you know that we've been promising and you've been champing at the bit for our episode of Cars 3, our review of that great movie. Um, and we did record it. Um, and I don't know how much time Weekend Doge is going to have to edit that episode. So there is honestly a 60-40 shot that it is not on Patreon yet. But don't worry, it's coming. And in addition to that, we promise before May 1st of this year, the year of our Lord 2020, you will be receiving our review of Onward as well. And you can trust the promises that we make because we are a good podcast. That's we true. are good in the way of the the vibes that we give to you through the radio mm-hmm. waves, mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. through the the iPhone waves, through the Android waves, through anything else that exists still with waves. Yeah, with waves. Um, the ocean waves. It is proven nice that we are a good podcast, not just because of our own heart feelings and mind thoughts, but because we are literally highly rated. We've got 230 uh, ratings on iTunes. And, and I think we have managed to average... of them are how five many stars? Star. How many, yeah, how many stars can you get, though? Is it the... How many stars are you able to... I really wish it was cumulative rather than an average. Yeah. Because we'd have many, many stars. We'd, we'd have, have so many stars. stars. Yeah. Hundreds. Double um, digits, at least. It is... Uh, we have a five-star rating. We are in the top 75 in the United States for uh, TV and film for podcasts. We are in the top 250 in the world uh, for news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that hard-hitting journalism you've come to expect from the most trusted name in news, Two Chunks so, and uh, <laughs> I know you're listening because you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear this unless you were listening. We're going to be literal right now. Uh, but why aren't your friends? Yeah. Why, is it, why isn't your mom listening? If they're telling you it's because they don't have time, they're lying to you. Uh, because there's something in our world that is affecting our whole world. And Ain't nobody got nothing but time. time now. That's true. So get out there, rate and review. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter's going to be more of a news out for you. Instagram is uh, just a consistent Doge resume building tool. It's true. Um, that is full of wonderful sound clips and uh, art. And yeah, it's just very creative and a lot of fun to follow. But yeah, and do tell your mom things. about us. Tell your mom. I mean, you really should. Tell your mom if you're not watching these movies and us. thinking about family, then I mean, we yeah. might have, there might then be, we should try fast and furious again. Yes. You'll think about family. If you watch that, <laughs> that'll re that's that'll restart it there. Hey, speaking of uh, family, I guess it's time to head on uh, back to the show. And we're back to the show. Uh, in the spirit of forgetting, Maybe we didn't forget. I can't believe we got through an entire half of this movie and haven't talked about Dory. Like That's the prestige, yeah. baby. You got to hold it for the back half. Otherwise, people are going to stop listening once we're done talking about their favorite blue fish. That's a good point. That's true. I, I think now is the time. And Which one's Dory? Uh, I think Pixar is really good at knowing when to pull the A-lister. Yes. And then also having uh, a lot of smaller roles played by like B-listers. And Finding Nemo is a really good example of that. Um, But all that to say, I don't know if there's a better pairing than Ellen DeGeneres as Dory in the Pixar universe. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones. And there's a lot of, I mean, John Goodman as Sully. Who else could be? Who else could be? But Billy Crystal would be Mike Mike Wazowski. I mean, Tom Hanks as Woody, I feel like. Yeah. Even that too. And Tom Hanks, while has a, while having a recognizable voice, doesn't have one that just stands out super much to me. But I think Pixar, I've, Pixar more than other animation studios encourages, I feel like their voice actors aren't as cartoony as the stuff we get other, like, you know what I mean? Like this is not Shrek and Donkey, you sure. know, and it's not even Cameron Diaz as Fiona. 
Um, well, and I know other movies other than Shrek, but that's just the one I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> I think especially with Shrek, right? You've got somebody who's just funny, but they're in an accent. Like you just have them for the for the sake of being funny. Like they're yeah. playing they're they're playing a role here. But Pixar seems to almost always just pick somebody because of what their actual voice sounds like. They're really confident in what their Pixar picks are. Yeah. They are confident in what their Pixar picks are. And especially with this, I don't know how much, Doge, you probably did with your two disc watching, um, how much uh, ad lib time that they gave Ellen. Uh, but we do also know that this script had been written fully yeah. from the start. It feels like there and are so, pieces and parts that are ad-libbed. Like definitely the uh, the speaking whale stuff I think is ad-libbed. It feels yeah. ad-libbed between her and uh, and Albert Brooks. The yeah. mollusk joke is ad-libbed. Yes. Did you see that? He recorded that. He gave him like a whole day's worth of takes in the studio. That's so yeah. funny. I um, So the, uh, I think just one more point on how they choose A-listers and have them. I mean, this is a literal pairing of, I mean, it's Albert Brooks and Ellen DeGeneres. Like who's super pumped about that? That is not right. the the yeah. flex of oh John Goodman and, and Billy Crystal are going to head this movie. It's like no, you have a pairing and specifically choosing both of them, even though one of them is far more popular for the sake of being perfect for the role yes. in terms of their voice. Yeah, I think so too. And and the th- the thing with Ellen in the role of Dory is. I don't think about it very often, but Doria is, I think, sort of the emotional heart of most of this movie. And I think yeah. that it's really interesting that we get, I mean, I, I before this, I don't think anybody was thinking, you know, Ellen should be a voice actor. Um, but she, I mean, she really crushes it. This I is mean, the she, only yeah, really voice does. acting she's done. Right. And Ellen, Ellen is not, also not known for being forgetful, right? She's, she yeah. is playing a role that is a little bit outside of what we would assume from her. Sure. But Yeah. It still yeah. just works so well. No my one else favorite, could have been Dory. My favorite bit of trivia about Ellen's performance here is that they didn't think that she could do the dramatic scene uh, where she's begging Marlon not to leave the whole, like, when I look at you, I'm right. home, that whole hmm. scene, which is wonderfully acted. It's really, really good. Yeah. She'd been recording for a full day and they put that line at the end of her her line list for the day because they anticipated her like beefing it and doing a bad job. And then that way they could say, okay, you've got notes to work on. Come back on Monday after the weekend, take the weekend to look at this. And then Monday we'll really workshop that line and try and get something we can use. They used that take that she gave at the end of that day. Wow. She just knocked it out of the park and there are some minor edits to that line, but that's what appears in the movie is what she did at the end of her full day of dialogue. So she recorded that and the texts are like, oh, great. That was perfect. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's that's really interesting. Um, I do want to talk, you, you mentioned speaking whale. Um, so I want to talk about the whale a little bit. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is, this is complicated. This gets a little hairy. Is this your um, super dump? Yeah. So, um, not, maybe not for the reason you think maybe it is. I don't know. So my super dump for this movie is, um, the whale is emblematic of this, which is there are moments in this movie where the, the main animation style and the hyper realism of some other elements don't mesh very well to me. And the whale, so realistic, so good looking, and and like looks like a real whale. And then these sort of cartoon esque fishes inside. I, I don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't really line up for me. I feel the same way about yeah. like the cartoon seagulls on the super photorealistic buoy up on top of the yeah. water. The seagulls look like a different animation style than the rest of this movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's just something about the two main forms of animation in this movie. There are moments when they don't mesh super well, mm. and it, it really pulls me out of the moment. I hear that. I think I would. I think I would say it's probably an intentional choice. The outside of the whale does look like a cartoon. Like he's got cartoon fish eyes, and he's like right. really stylized. But the inside right. of the whale, I feel like it's they treated that more like they treat the environments, where they go for that kind of like right. soft photorealism. But I can totally right. see that that well, he's a living being, and living beings in this world look this one way. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's what's hard for me about it is is just I can the, see that. It, it was almost like uh, you get out of a hot tub and jump into a cold pool for a little bit. And it's just like, whoa, like it just shocks me when it yeah. happens in the movie. Because you have, you know, you have Bruce who is terrifying looking when he's all black eye and 2000 teeth. But he still looks like he's part of this movie to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just it just it has never really 
sat well with me in those moments. I hadn't noticed the seagull thing until y'all said it because I feel like it was just so with their dialogue too. You know, yeah. you're talking about the creative choices that they choose here. I feel like the seagulls as a whole were decided to just be dumbed down in every way. Oh, it's 100%. kind of a, kind of a <laughs> uh, like a, a goofy Pluto situation where it's like, are they, right. are oh, they living yeah, right? thinking beings or like what is going on here? The seagulls are very funny. They are very funny. Oh, yeah. And who who has not looked at a bunch of seagulls in their life at this point and been like, mine, mine? Oh, yeah. Right. And Pixar dumbed them down to the point of something that could have been offensive if it wasn't a collective thing of the world to be annoyed by this Everybody creature. hates seagulls. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So they're okay Absolutely. to pick on. But that's good, Jordan. I see that too, especially too when Marlon is... Uh, trying to escape the whale and you do have a little bit more of the cartoony clownfish going up against what looks exactly like what you would expect the inside of a whale's mouth. A real whale to look like. Yeah. Yeah, That's where it sort of jars me a little bit, you know, but um, that that being said, it was very difficult to come up with a super dump that I I was going to say about. Yeah. These kind of things happen in a good, good Pixar movie. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, Can we talk a little bit about the uh, escape attempt? Oh, uh, yeah. From the tank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't How, really talked about the tank at all, have we? Which is right. crazy, which could be its own movie. The it tank really is could be. So funny. Mount Wanahakalugi kills me every yeah, time. that's really good. Brad Garrett is, this is maybe peak Brad Garrett voice acting for me as far as like how much <laughs> I love him. That's his, so funny, yeah. His whole, the ring of fire, turn out the ring of fire. Like he gets so angry. <laughs> Jacques is so good. I mean, man, this tank is... My favorite um, location, my favorite set in this whole movie. The dentist office, really. It is a top set. Like if you're talking about we only ever see the narrative carried out with these characters in this specific setting. Yeah. Like this is one of the top sets in Pixar for me. There's something for me where it feels like the movie stops when we go to the tank and like I love it and I'm invested in those characters and it feels like the like alternating back and forth between tank pacing and ocean pacing feels... Yeah, it's like the hot tub thing. It feels jarring. To yes, me. I, yeah, I don't hate that is tough. The tank is not my super dump by any means, but it is a dump that we there's yeah. some level of pacing that's not maintained. I also, it was almost a super dump. There's no reason for Nemo to fail the first time and then immediately succeed, like five minutes later. I don't, I don't love that. I think that we can clean that up a little bit because that failure is immediately reversed. Yeah, I and this might not. I might in, not realize that scumming up the filter, but well, he, doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't try again until he sees how sad Gil is that he's not going to get out. I thought he tried again as soon as he found out about how hard his dad was working to get to oh, him. Oh, that yeah, is, he, that's exactly he tries again he's, as soon right. as he he's finds in, out about yeah, his Yeah, he's dad. inspired by, by Marlon You're trying exactly hard right. too. Then I think, I just think we can clean that up a little bit because we, like the consequence of that failure is immediately reversed and it, sure there's a movie separating it, but in the life of the character... I mean, it's like an an hour, two hours. Like it's the same day still. Is yeah. it? Yeah, I guess. Huh. Could very well be. I didn't realize that. I don't but know. Like- I just think there's something with that, like, and and where like we, I don't know. There's just something about that that feels a little messy to me. Is that we try yeah. and fail, immediately try again and succeed, and yeah. then the efforts are undone by the the space age water filter. Yeah, which yeah. is very funny. I, I funny. wonder I wonder if maybe it could be improved, which who are we? But I wonder if it could be improved if he never tries it in the first place because he is scared. That's what and I'm thinking. And then when he sees that Marlon, who is also scared, is being brave for him, he's he thinks, okay, well, then I can be brave for Marlon. Yep. Yeah. yeah. If we were to develop some kind of algorithm that was like uh, successful uh, characters per square foot, like... Inside Out is its, is its own category because we're the, all of this is happening in the brain of a, a girl, a yeah. 12-year-old girl. Yeah. But I mean, we have more than a dozen characters that are consistent and introduced during this dentist's office in what is probably like 100 square feet. Like I, I can't get over yeah. How big is that little room? And all of his appointments, like he feels like a personification of what kids are terrified of with a dentist. Oh, like, 100%. 
Hey, and the some, conversations. Of these, some of these kids and people, you can tell this is pre-Incredibles days when they weren't still 100% sure how to animate a human being that doesn't look like a flesh golem. Darla yes. is terrifying. I think the, yes. the blonde kid that he wipes the scum on his bib is scarier looking than Darla. Really? <laughs> yeah. It looks like they told the computer, humans look about like this. And the computer was like, say no more. I can create. And it made <laughs> this thing. I have made life. Y'all have, I'm glad you've taken over this because you're explaining it better than I did, but this is my super dump. Okay. <laughs> like all of it was to preface how much I love this area to then say, this is clearly like, it even feels like the way that human hands are moving and yeah. the way that those fingers look is the, like, you talking are, about those, those, uh, a hundred percent kosher beef Nathan's Frankfurter I know they hams. Like I was going to call them hams. Yes. Hams, dude, they're just beefy it is strange Got and toy story dogs toy story happened before this but we didn't have to really i mean what we don't see much of andy and so like Sid the reason the reason toy out. story is toy story is because the only thing that we can convincingly render at the time is shiny plastic material there's a reason that it's plastic yeah. toys and that woody's not a plush toy like we can't do cloth like it's all plastic and we yeah. can do plastic and we can do kind of soft. And that's why Woody is made of a plastic head, plastic hands, and a kind of soft body. And Buzz is all plastic. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's not until Monsters that we can do hair pretty well. Right. Monsters, we can do hair pretty well. And Monsters, we spend a ton of time designing Boo because she's a main character. And that's why Boo does not look half as terrifying as all of the horrifying skinwalkers that populate the dentist's <laughs> office. <laughs> It's just a bunch uh, of. Uh, it's not a big enough super dump for me that I would want to eliminate showing humans, though. No way. Sure. I the think they are necessary to get rid of. I got to go see a man about a wallaby. Here's what's really fun uh, Chelsea stumbled upon a unique experience in seeing Finding Nemo for the first time because she was living in Australia at the time. Oh, wow. wow. That Finding Nemo came out. And so that's a ton of fun to yeah, have cool. uh, uh, that culture immersive at the time. Yeah, that's very awesome. All of the, I mean, we, we haven't really even talked about Jeffrey Rush's Nigel. I was just thinking that Jeffrey Rush. He's so good. I mean, surprise to everyone. Jeffrey Rush does a phenomenal job. He might have the best voice. Um, and I don't just mean in this yeah. movie. I mean, Jeffrey Rush might just have the best voice. I want him to teach me how to speak in public. I think yeah. he'd be really good at that. I, I think, think so he would too. too. We should, uh, we should put that in the back pocket, save it for a rainy day. We should day, review that movie at good. some point. So, uh, Yeah. I think that's a. Would you say I'm the king of this podcast and he could help me with my speech? Yeah, just uh, I got some words that I'm going to need you to shout in just a second. I thought you were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. What are you talking about? You better start believing in podcasts, Mr. Carter. (laughs) You're on one. (laughs) Um, The rescue from the boat at the end. I don't think that works. Mm -mm. Thematically, it's beautiful. There's something to it. Like that's, that's act four. So our, our resolution of our, of our external conflict, Nemo is missing, is resolved when Nemo is found. We still have our internal conflict of dad doesn't trust Nemo. Right. Dad doesn't think Nemo is capable. And that's resolved in this moment where Nemo uses something he learned uh, when he was living La Vida tank life <laughs> and encourages all the other fish to escape. That being said- It also it feels just, like- the. Uh, it's probably not a fish for fish redemption, but all of his siblings that he lost at the beginning. So it, he has I now think, returned for saving all these lives. I think this can be improved if if we switch the order of this. If if Dory and Nemo are swimming back to Marlin and they get they get scooped up, uh, or Nemo gets scooped up in this net, and Dory goes and finds Marlin, and says, "Hey, I found Nemo, and he's stuck. He needs help." And then Marlin comes on the scene as Nemo is demonstrating competency and telling all the other fish to swim down. And it looks at the end, we could still have the moment where it looks like Nemo's dead. And Marlin is at that moment forced to wrestle with, was I right? And then Nemo wakes up, Nemo's alive. And Marlin goes, oh my gosh, no, he's capable. He can do things. I just think they're in the wrong order. <sighs> yeah, I think I, I get that. I, I don't know. I think this is probably... I, I stand by completely what I said about the, the photorealism stuff being my super dump, but I think this is probably the weakest point of the movie for me overall. And I think it, this is an example of something that if I, if, if I was handed the reins, I think I would rewrite something different here completely. I don't know that it would be yeah. rescuing a school of fish from a net. I don't know what it would be, but I don't think it would be that. I, 
I think, but the rescuing the school of fish has to play into just keep swimming, right? Like, sure, I, uh, yeah. it's harder to be more creative with that. Like, if that's the thing that we I think want it has to, to play into what he learned in the tank. Like, he has to clearly demonstrate some sort of competency based on his tank experience that Marlon thought he would be unable to learn and unable to grow. And Nemo's put in a challenging, challenging situation, rises to the challenge, grows from it, and then uses that knowledge. I mean, it's almost a hero's journey thing of return home uh, with a boon from the gods where you return back to your to where you started. Yeah. I just think I'm fine with it being just keep swimming because I would say in terms of a line, like just keep swimming is some of the best advice that Pixar has given the consumer. Yeah. yeah unless unless the question is, I'm about to run out of breath underwater. What do I do? In which case, just keep swimming would be... We'll swim Pretty up. unhelpful. Just keep swimming up. Oh yeah, I guess that's that's fair. That's a good point. Name one. Name one situation where you shouldn't keep swimming. Uh, I ate twenty nine minutes ago. Keep swimming. Soon it'll be thirty minutes, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, just keep eating. There's no water. Keep swimming. You'll find some. You'll get there. <laughs> I'm tired. Keep swimming. It'll be over soon. <laughs> That's good. It's um, like, I don't think I'm going to make the buoy. I don't think I'm going to make it to the buoy. And I'm already so far away from the shore. If I keep going, I might drown. Keep swimming in one direction. Eventually you will get somewhere. That's nice. That's nice. Hey, the ending, the true ending, everybody all together back by the at the reef by the anemone, Dory getting yeah. dropped off, going to school. Marlon nails the joke. Everybody laughs. I, lo- I love, keep up with the program, Dory. That's so yeah. funny to me. Yeah, the, this whole ending is perfect, like really perfect. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that when Nemo swims back from Mr. Ray to tell his daddy loves him. Oh, is good stuff. So, so sweet. Yeah, it's good stuff. 100%. And then we get uh, our little. Like, oh, it's so good. And then it's over. The end. How many Pixar movies and finish with the end? Two. This one and A Bug's Life. Look at him. Interesting. He knew I, fig- it. I figured he would know that. I'm just that kind of guy. I would have argued that all stories finish with the end. Mm. Nice. Memento. Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate. Got him. <laughs> oh, Nolan. You're so slippery. I'm trying to find out what this, what else was nominated this year for Best Animated Picture, because I just get the sense that Finding Nemo was so far ahead of, like, leagues ahead of everything else in its field. You know what I mean? See what you did. 20,000 leagues ahead. So in when when Finding Nemo won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film uh, in 2004, it was the 2004 Oscars. It was nominated against Brother Bear, which I I think that's a fine film. I yeah, cannot I like it. believe it was nominated for Best Animated Feature. And Can I guess one? Yeah. Wait, wait was there only it. three? There's only three. three. You won't Spirit? get it. No. Okay. Okay, the, hold on, hold on. You won't get it. I promise you won't get it. Well, now I really want to. 2003. Wait, was Shawshank Redemption animated? <laughs> oh, yeah, Shawshank. <laughs> what is the third one? Yeah, what's the third one? The Triplets of Belleville, which is a French animated film. That's actually considered one of the better animated films ever. Interesting. Isn't that oh, funny? Yeah. Yep, Finding Nemo, though. That is crazy. Yeah. Back when there were only three, right? So Pixar was so... How often do you get the trendsetter is the one who continues to be the most successful? You know, this is still the highest selling DVD of all time. Like globally. Uh, and at the time that it was released, it passed The Lion King as highest grossing animated feature film. So that was a record that had been standing for almost 10 years at this point. Yeah. It's unreal. And there, I, I, I would bet there will never be another animated film to take the crown that is not 3D animation. Not computer-generated animation. Yeah, probably not. There is no way. Man, I would love to see something else really great happen with like 2D cartoon. I, I would miss. Too. I honestly really miss 2D animation. I think there's, I do too. there's some kind of warmth to it that you lose in 3D, which that being said, loving all this Pixar 3D animation. That oh we're my doing. gosh, yes. It's so good. Hey, you know what else is so good? The scientific cinema scale. Because it's time to rate this movie. The Scientific Cinema Scale was created right here in-house in Two Chunks Labs, and it is perfect and as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it. Don't lend it. Buy Buy that that poster. poster. The next best thing? That's buy it. Followed by rent it. And then stream it. 
After that is forget it, and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God, God has, has forsaken us. us. I'd like to go first if that's okay. Nope, I'm going first. Okay. I'm buying the poster. Okay, Jordan, go ahead. I am buying this movie. You're Aren't saying buying this movie. Yep. Not buying, buying the it's poster. It's a buy. It's a buy it for Jordan. Okay. 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 <laughs> bye. 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 I am. What keeps, wait. Can I ask what keeps yeah. it from a poster for you? Explain it. Yeah. No, I, I would love to. Um, I, I really do love this movie. There is, there is something about this movie when I go into my brain and I go Pixar heavy hitters, all time greatest. There are just other ones that I prefer. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I really do love this movie, but there are, I don't even think it makes my top five Pixar movies. Okay. I know. I know. I love it. It's, it's just, there are others that I love so much more. I'm going to buy this poster. Uh, and it is specifically because when I go to my mind and I think of all time, great <laughs> Pixar movies, this is like maybe number two or three Yeah, behind yeah, like fair. inside out and the toy stories, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That is, if I may, unfathomable nice that it's not in that list nice that was deep very oh carter boats um so you shouldn't have (laughs) scuba as we continue our series pixar picks pick what picks your pixar pixar don't forget that next week we will be reviewing toy story oh man pixar's first the uh the original the og pixar movie yeah, this is Toy Story 1. Yeah, Toy Story 1. Speaking, speaking of first, this will be my first time to watch it. <laughs> I'm excited wait. for you're you, gonna love it. <laughs> I think you're going to like it. Oh, man. Oh. It's going to be some good stuff. And patrons, please don't forget you got some special stuff coming your way. We're talking so much exclusive movie reviews, y'all. You'll get to vote for our Elite Eight in our, in our uh, Spring Delirium series. You Voting for the final four. Exactly. Voting uh, on the Elite Eight, yes. You will either get to or already have downloaded and heard our review of Cars 3. Statistically, the only movie we've ever reviewed that we are confident nobody wanted us to talk about. It's true. Yep. And uh, you're going to get a little bit of Onward action later this month as well. It's a good Ew. time to be an official chunky. Onward action. Well, hey, don't forget to tell your moms. And uh, to end today's episode... I would love for us each to say our name and what character from this movie we would focus on if there was a third Nemo installment. For Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders, and the third installment of this series would be called Losing Marlin. And uh, let me set this one up for you. Nemo, he's growed all up, got himself married, and Marlin won't move out of the anemone. So Nemo and his wife... They got to do everything they can to shake the old man loose and put him in a, an, an anemone with other other fish around his age. You know, in his in his Ooh, life wow. stage. A senior living anemone. Yeah, yeah. So losing Marlin is, and then uh, he ties balloons hit. to his anemone and flies it away. Yes, correct. What's Nemo's wife's name? Deborah. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so she'll be voiced by Ray Romano. No, he will. Nemo. Adult Nemo, Nemo is adult voiced Nemo by Ray is Romano. Romano. Adult, okay. Yeah. Dad, remember the time I went missing? Yeah, bro. Dad, I lived in a fish tank, Dad. Yeah, bro. I used to be a woolly mammoth. I'm Doge, and in the third installment of this rapidly changing and evolving series... Uh, is going to be called Galvanizing Gil. And in this one, Gil's going to get... these are alliteration. In this one, Gil is going to get a, a brand new metal fin uh, that has a mind of its own. And maybe his metal fin wants to kill and oh, subjugate so all the other oh fish in the ocean. Gracious. And Gil has to teach his metal fin how to value the lives of other fish. So it's like kind of upgrade, but... With fish and also not really upgrade much. It's like a mixture of upgrade and venom and monster energy. It's kind of all three of those <laughs> rolled into one. That's amazing. Unleashed and I haven't seen beast. it. It's probably also a mix of bloodshot. I haven't yes, seen it, but I exactly. bet it is. I'm sure. Galvanizing Gill coming soon to Disney Plus. Uh, which so far in <laughs> so far in 2020, Bloodshot is being considered as one of the better box office hits. 
because it's one of the only things that has existed. Man, sure. what a weird sure. year. What a weird year. Um, so I am Carter still to this day. Um, so far, so far I'm Carter. And I think, I think Dory's a great character. Um, and I think she should have her own movie. I think it would kind of be interesting if someone who had helped our protagonist find the namesake ends up now having to be found. I think that would be so clever. And so I think having Dory be the main one and being maybe like finding Dory or something like that would be a really good idea. Yeah, Carter, the power of that idea has manifested something onto this plane of existence. I want you to open Disney Plus. Take a look at it. Are you there? Are you okay. looking at it? Yeah. Hold up. Yeah, I'll sign into my account. And what you're going to type into the search bar is B-R-I-N-K exclamation point. <laughs> okay. And we're all going to watch the Disney Channel original movie Brink starring Eric Von Detten, also known as Sid the Bad Neighbor from Toy Story. Once, you, once we're done pony. watching that, we can get to work writing that treatment for Finding Dorothy. I think that's going to be a great movie. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.